today's message is leave the barn door open leave the barn door open so uh I said where did he come up with that <laughs> and once again growing up in indiana i'd say a lot of things about my dad but i listened to him a lot more than he thought i did especially when he was yelling at me but uh back then when we go out during the this time of year and it you know because temperatures vary during the winter time in indiana diane's a hoosier wanda's a hoosier nine and dave aren't here janet's a hoosier so uh we'd go out say to go out to go to eat which we did rarely so i'd say maybe go to church or something and maybe the temperature dropped overnight we'd be walking to the car because we had a detached garage so unfortunately we had to go out into the elements to get to our vehicle and uh dad we'd walk out and it got real cold overnight you know i'd say who left the barn door open that was just a phrase i don't know if other hoosiers heard that before but he'd always say who left the barn door open or when I take out the trash to the trash can, which was over by the detached garage, and I came back in the house, and I only let the storm door shut, which was on a spring-loaded thing, and I didn't shut the inner door, he'd say, boy, shut the door. Were you born in a barn? Another thing that he said to me, for some reason, <laughs> over and over, because the more I took the trash out, I forgot to shut the inner door during the wintertime. So today's message, who let, uh, leave the barn door open? And we'll be mostly in Matthew 23. I was telling Jerry when he was giving me uh, this other mic that I need so desperately to be heard to me after Sunday school, it still amazes me because I don't speak on a regular basis, but uh, multiple times, whatever the Lord's led Jerry to speak, speak about during the Sunday school lesson. And when I get up here, I told him, I'd so be taking back and off of some of your thoughts again today. And I don't know how many times that's happened. Probably I've been speaking here since 2006, 2007, at least half a dozen times. Or like I've said before, Ken's song choices a lot of times uh, tie into the message, but uh, it's definitely not a me. So we'll just give the Lord credit for that but Matthew 23 leave the barn door open we'll just start at verse 1 <clears throat> then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying the scribes and the Pharisees <coughs> Sit in Moses' seat. Literally, it says, have seated themselves. So they, it was an act of acting on their part. They said, I'm going to go up here and sit in that seat. They placed them, they seated themselves in Moses' chair, or the chair of Moses, verse 3. Therefore, all that they tell you do and observe but do not do according to their deeds for they say 
things, and the things is in italics because it's not actually in the Greek text. They say and do not do them, which is also in italics. So it says, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were the teachers of the law, the strict, you know, they were the leaders of the church at that time. It says, whatever they say, do them and observe them and do them, but don't do what they do. Don't do their deeds because they say them and don't do them. Verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with a finger. They do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels. And then, of course, the translators put of their garments in there to help us finite mind people. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues. They love places of honor. But what does the scripture say? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Remember, suffering always precedes glory. Grace always precedes peace. And humility always precedes honor. Suffering always precedes glory. Grace always precedes peace. And humility precedes honor. Humble yourselves before the mighty God and he will exalt you at the proper time, lift you up at the proper time. What time is that? that future day right not now humility always precedes honor verse 7 well let's start in 6 again because that's tough they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogue <coughs> what did James say uh, somebody comes in the in the assembly. Don't choose the place up front, right? Because then somebody else might come in with a little more status than you, and the heads of the church would say, "Hey, you need to get up and move back there. <laughs> Let that dude sit up here, right?" They love the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher. And you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father. And he is in heaven. 
Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, and that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. And Jerry touched on some of this in his Sunday school lesson again. And really in Revelation in the epistle, uh, seven epistles to the churches, remember it said he did, in the one church he said he did have something for them as they hate the Nicolaitans. Remember that church? And to understand what the Nicolaitans are, some people try to take that back to some obscure one reference to a guy named Nicholas in the New Testament, say they must have been followers of this dude named Nicholas. But really, that's, that's straining an interpretation out of it. If you take the actual two-part Greek word that they make, they translate right into Nicolaitans, it's Nico or Nike, which means to overcome or rule, and laity, which is us regular folk, right? So the Nicolaitans are the leaders of the church that rule over the people. And what do you see in most, a lot of churches these days? What are the pastors, elders, and deacons supposed to do? Serve. Serve. Be a servant. But in many churches, you know, the pastors, the elders, and the deacons rule the church. Whatever goes on is because they say this is how we're going to do it. Right? But God said, I hate the Nicolaitans. So don't be leaders, for one is your leader. That is Christ. Verse 10. 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted because humility always precedes honor. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And if you fall, fall towards Jesus. And let him pick you back up. Get back up. Get back up. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. And then we start what is seven or eight woes, whether you think verse 14 should be part of the equation or not whether you leave it in or take it out, because it's not in some manuscripts, I think we all get the gist of what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, right? Whether it's seven woes or eight woes. Correct? But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. They shut the door 
literally to the kingdom of the heavens, because in Matthew that's used numerous times, and in every instance it's articular and plural. The kingdom of the heavens. It's the heavenly sphere of the kingdom. The nation of Israel had already received the earthly kingdom part, right? Remember, Abraham was given heavenly and earthly promises. His seed was going to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the heavens. Now, an earthly kingdom had never reached the heights it was supposed to. Even if you want to talk about David and Jonathan, it still never really reached the heights that it was supposed to. And then because their continued disobedience over centuries of time, in 722, as Jerry mentioned in Sunday School in 605, they were driven back out of the land, except for a small remnant. And... Uh, out into the Gentiles, out into the sea in Scripture to effect repentance, which they've never done as a nation. And the glory left the temple and the times of the Gentiles that Jerry brought up in, in uh, Sunday school began. And it's been going on ever since, since then. But they will repent. They will repent. And then they'll be restored after repentance. A nation will be born in a day. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut off the kingdom of the heavens from people. For you do not enter in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. They were the religious leadership of the day back then. They should have been leading the people to the mountaintop, right? Mountain in the scripture signifies a kingdom. They should have been leading them to the mountain, but they didn't want to do it. What did Jesus Christ come to them? Remember, they'd sacrificed the Paschal lambs for you for centuries, right? That's what's required in Genesis, is it not? Death and shed blood. So he couldn't have come offering him this offer unless he was coming to a saved people that had already. He couldn't come offering unsaved people the kingdom of the heavens. He came to them as their king. Remember what the wise man come looking for? We've, we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to find the king of the Jews. Remember the parable of the vineyard owner who had the vineyard, and then he went away, and then he sent servants of his, the prophets and others, to check on his vineyard, and they would mistreat one and kill another, and he finally said, hey, I'll send my son. They won't treat him that way. And what did the workers in the vineyard do? They said, they saw the air coming. So this religious leadership knew he was coming as king, but they set themselves in 
Moses' seat. They said, no, we're not giving this gig up. Right? We're not giving up this rulership. When they saw the sun coming, they killed him. They shut up, they shut the door to the kingdom of the heaven. Verse 14, we'll go ahead and read it even though there's a dispute whether it should. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses and for a pretense you make long prayers Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. What did James say? Be ye not many teachers, for you will receive the stricter judgment. Verse 15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Now this wouldn't be talking about proselyte like a Gentile proselyte that would join himself to the, the Jews. This would be having to talk about a Jewish person that they're making a proselyte of being a pharisaical way of life like they themselves live. <laughs> but it says they travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte and when he becomes one you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves and literally that is Gehenna I know I'm, a lot of you already know that but there is no Hebrew or Greek word for hell in the scriptures Obviously, in the Old Testament, it's Sheol. In the New Testament, it's Hades. That's literally just the place of the dead. Gehenna, for some reason, is translated <coughs> hell all the time. And then Tartarus is where who is located at this time? The fallen ones, the angels that came down from their rightful place and cohabited with women back in Genesis 6. And thereafter, it says... And they're bound in chains in Tartarus, which is also translated hell in the New Testament. But Gehenna, in the Valley of Hinnom, was located south of the city of Jerusalem, right? And what did they use Gehenna as? Anybody in here probably know that. Diane, my fellow Hoosier, remarked, basically, it was a trash heap. And it was in a valley. Remember, it was the Valley of Hinnom in the Old Testament. They did sacrifice humans there at some time. But by the time we talk about when Jesus came the first time, it was literally the dump on the south side of the city in a valley. Right? And it continually burned. They actually would throw prisoners' bodies after they'd been crucified. They'd throw them on the dump heap and burn their bodies but basically that's where all the refuge in Jerusalem got cast into Gehenna and the fires just burnt continually they burnt the trash up there 
is on the south side of the city in a valley. What did John the Baptist and then Jesus and then the 12 and then the 70 come preaching to the nation of Israel? As Jerry pointed out, the disciples were told by Jesus to go not into the way of the Gentiles or the Samaritans who were a mixed race, right? So they were really looked upon just as other Gentiles. But go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So what did they come preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. These guys should have led the people to the mountain, right? Where God resides, right? And where is God always shown to reside in Scripture? The utmost parts of the north. So instead of leading the people to the mountain where they would stand before God, they were leading them to the valley on the south side of the city to a dump heap. Which is diametrically opposed, just the opposite of where they're supposed to be going. They're leading them to just the opposite place. So they'll lead them to a mountain in the north where they could co-rule and reign with Jesus Christ. They're leading them to a valley in the south with just a burning dump heap. And that's why you see such strict words by Jesus Christ. Wasn't that they were legalists, remember? Pharisees were sort of the so-called fundamentalists of the day, right? The scribes and the Pharisees. The Sadducees would be your liberals because they denied that there was a resurrection. And the Herodians, why'd they call them the Herodians? That group aspired to political aspirations in Herod's kingdom. Does that remind you of any Christians today? Let's leave that there. So he, he had that strict of words for the fundamentalists of that day, and he would have had the same strict words for the Sadducees or the Herodians, not because they were fundamental or liberal or had political aspirations, but because they shut the door of the kingdom of the heavens in front of the nation. And what do we see in the church today by the uh, church leaders, not political leaders, them too, if they're Christians? That's why I say leave the barn door open. How many churches besides us and faith in Chattanooga you think you go in and hear the word of the kingdom being spoken today somewhere? And then compound that all over the state of Tennessee or all over the United States or around the world. And that's the religious leaders of, of the day is repeating the history of the religious leadership of, of Christ's first coming. You have two histories of the church 
dispensation in Scripture in the New Testament, Matthew 13, right? The parables of Matthew 13 and then Revelation 2 and 3. And Mark, when he was doing Sunday school, not your message, but Sunday school, he was in Revelation, so you can turn to Revelation real quickly in chapter 3. And we'll go straight to the Laodicean church because this is seven literal churches in the New Testament. And it also gives you a progression of the church dispensation and their relation to their response to the uh, word of the kingdom. Verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot, I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You ladies that are bakers, not that men can't be bakers. I'm being prejudiced against the men. What's the best, best temperature for yeast to do its deal in bread? Lukewarmness. Yeast being leaven, right? And what did the lady at Matthew 13, 33 put into the loaves? Leaven. And it's a corrupting agent we find back in Exodus. And it's been doing its work for 2,000 years, nearly. Till the whole is leavened. And that's where the church sits today in response to the word of the king. You don't hear it. <coughs> but the leadership of the church should leave the barn door open. You say, well, Jeff, you know, I was talking about preaching to yourself, and now you're just preaching to the leaders or the teachers like yourself or Mark Summers or Mark Tyson or Ken or Jimmy. Well, now turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 11. We'll just pick right up in there. It says, we talked about the Melchizedek, the Melchizedek priesthood. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be what? Teachers. He just talking to pastors and elders here? For by this time you ought to be teachers. You have need for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of milk only is not accustomed to the word of the word of righteousness, 
for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Chapter 6 continues with the same thought. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. We're all supposed to be teachers. Remember what it says in the epistle? Always be ready to give a account or a defense of the gospel. And what gospel was Paul talking about? The gospel of the kingdom. You couldn't defend the gospel to an unsaved person. They wouldn't know what you're talking about anyway. So if we're not going to leave the barn door open, who is? You see the state of the church today at the end of the church dispensation? If we don't leave the barn door open, if we don't press on, remember the last message was keep on keeping on. If we don't press on to maturity, and the only way to do that, get in this book. Leave the barn door open. What did Winston Churchill in World War II say? Those who don't. Remember, history are doomed to repeat it. If we don't remember the history of the religious leadership in the church, which for the most part the church hasn't, we're just doomed to repeat it. But God always has a remnant. So let us leave the barn door open. Leave the barn door open. <coughs> let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this day and your word. And we pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray here at the end of this dispensation that we would not be as those uh, religious leadership of the your first coming and and not proclaim as Jimmy said often from the mountaintops your soon coming and the opportunity that we have to rule and reign with you in your coming kingdom we thank you for all these things in Jesus name amen <clears throat>